In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes in order to give us a Jesus who was baptized so that we might be baptized, so that we may be included into his life and mission. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we started off today kind of talking about vision. And if you look over here, some of you might wonder if you suddenly went colorblind. Because the chairs are, are different. We've got new chairs, and, and actually these chairs in this area are going to be going away as well. Uh, they're going to be going to a congregation probably in uh, Panama City, and uh, we'll be helping them out with uh, some of their restoration. Um, uh, and we, we, have the, we had this opportunity to get new chairs, and so uh, we got garnet and gold chairs, which is super exciting, except for the few gators that we have here and there. Um, uh, they're probably... Um, not not appreciative, and that one Kane fan that we have, um, yeah, repentance is there for everyone. <laughs> but we're talking about vision today, and and one of the things when I was pu- setting these chairs up the other day was uh, I, I was setting them up, and and I was like, oh, these are kind of different, especially those ones back there, um, uh, and. and so, uh, you know, they're, they're just a little bit different. And so I, I actually took a chance to take a seat and go, okay, what does it look like from this perspective? Because I don't know if you know this, but one of the reasons that I'm a pastor is because I was always that guy in church who was doing this and, and looking back at everybody. And so having this job, I actually get to look out at all of you and see you all of the time. But I don't get to sit in those chairs very often. And so it's kind of fun. I kind of got that vision. I got that placement. And that's important. I recognize that's important because of a story in my life. Uh, because uh, when I was back in uh, either undergrad or seminary, I can't remember which, but I bought tickets to a play. All of my friends were going to this play, and we, we were all buying tickets separately. And I bought tickets, and I was like, sweet, these are super cheap. And so I got the ticket, and I was like, this is awesome, I'm, I'm going to go in, I'm going to watch this play, you know, it, it's going to be great. And the problem was that this seat was, well, kind of behind a pole. <laughs> and so the entire play, I could see the stage, but I had to sit kind of like this, unless they moved over here, and then I kind of had to do this. And, and sure enough, uh, later on, I looked at my ticket, and it, it had this little fine print asterisk thing that said, obstructed view. And I was like, oh, well, I still got to see it, and it was still cheap, so awesome. But that obstructed view, that sense of an obstructed view is an important thing to bring along with us as we're digging into this gospel reading. Because that sense of an obstructed view is actually what's happening over and over and over again in this gospel reading. So first of all, you have the obstructed view that is happening when the people that are by the River Jordan see John the Baptist. And as they're taking a look at John the Baptist, they're they're saying, and the people were all in expectation and questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. And so they've, they've got this kind of question about, okay, this John guy, well, he eats bugs and honey and kind of weird fashion sense, but maybe, maybe he is the Messiah. Maybe he is the guy. Maybe he's the one we've been waiting for. And the reason that they're thinking that is that their view is obstructed. 
They, they can't tell really what a Messiah is supposed to look like. And well, it, it kind of seems like as they're ducking around the pole, looking at John the Baptist, well, maybe, maybe he's the Christ. But that's not John's role. John's role instead is actually to unobstruct their vision. His role is to be the one who clears the way, who clears the path, who makes the way straight for the people of Israel so that they can see who the Messiah clearly is. And they need that, obviously, if they're thinking that John the Baptist is the guy. And so John the Baptist gets into it, and and he says, no, I'm not him. He he recognizes that they're talking about him, and he says, I am not the one that you're looking for. I'm not the Christ, but he's coming. And he is coming, and he is going to bring with him this baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, instead of just this baptism that I am giving you. This baptism that was a baptism of repentance. Hear that, Keynes fans? <laughs> a baptism of repentance that would be something that said, I'm going to change my life in a manifest way and I'm going to start living according to God's law. But Jesus' baptism later on, the Christian baptism, is going to be so much more than that. It's going to be a baptism that gives you the Holy Spirit. It's going to be the, a baptism that sets you apart from the chaff, which is another vision thing. Because the wheat and the chaff needed to be separated because you couldn't quite tell that from just looking at it. So what you had to do is you had to bring along this tool, this tool that was called a winnowing fork. And the way that you would use a winnowing fork is that you would take a bunch of grain and you would lift it up and you would actually throw it up and away so that the grain would go And the chaff would kind of go up, and the chaff is lighter, it's the husks, it's the stuff that you don't want, and it would just all fall to the ground. And so all of that chaff stuff, that would get gathered up and it would be burned, but all of the good grain, all of that stuff, that would then be saved. And so when John says, hey, he's coming and he's got his winnowing fork in hand, what he's saying is he's clarifying the vision here. He's showing you what is worthy and what is unworthy, what is going to be burned and what is going to be kept. And what John is saying is that when Jesus comes, his baptism is going to clarify that. That if you are baptized, that you are not chaff. Because you have that weight of the Holy Spirit that's with you. That he's actually going to be able to, when he tosses you, he's going to get you a ways. Instead of just up in the air and back down again. And so there's that that vision thing that's happening there. And then Jesus comes up. And Jesus, it says, it's interesting. Luke's gospel makes a big point about Jesus being baptized with other people. If you look at the reading for today, it says, Now when all the people were baptized, and Jesus had also been baptized and was praying. And so you have this sense of, you know, the vision is still kind of obstructed here. You still have, well, there's all sorts of people that are in the River Jordan. Yeah, I, we don't know how John was doing. If he was just like, okay, everybody up, 
and down and up or or how that worked i mean in pictures it's always you know john is right here with the shell over jesus but it doesn't look that way in luke it looks kind of confusing you can't tell which one is jesus right away if you're just reading luke but then all of a sudden you have something that shows you who Jesus is. This majestic theophany. This amazing moment where all three members of the Trinity are in the same frame. You have Jesus in the water, and then you have the voice of God saying, this is my son, the beloved, and you have the Holy Spirit descending in a form that is like a dove. And and I'm always interested that it's like a dove, because it's not a dove. The, The people that Luke is talking to in order to write his gospel, as he's talking to the eyewitnesses here, he's going like, well, what did it look like? And they were like, ah, I don't know. It was like a dove. But it was something that was completely out of this world, something that they had never seen before, something that they had a new vision of. This Messiah, who is a part of the Trinity, a person of God, there being baptized. And oh yeah, we have this little interlude about Herod. Why is that in there? You know, except for the fact that maybe, well, Luke had an axe to grind with Herod and didn't like him. You're going to include him sort of the way that John always includes Judas, it seems. And Judas was there, that nasty guy. But I, I think it's, maybe there's a purpose here in John bringing up, or Luke bringing up Herod. And, and that is that Herod is a great example of a guy who doesn't see it. Herod is a great example of somebody that you don't want to be in this story. You can be almost anybody else in this story. You, you can say, hey, I want to be like John the Baptist. Hey, I, can be, I, I want to be like somebody who is baptized along with Jesus. I can be all sorts of people, but I don't want to be Herod. Because what does Herod do? Herod looks at John the Baptist and, and Herod says, well, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to marry who I want to, no matter that it's sort of incestuous. I'm going to do all sorts of other bad things that we know that Herod did throughout his reign. And he's got his view obstructed. And what's obstructing his view, what's obstructing his view is himself. And so we go, oh, okay, so maybe there's something to learn there about Herod. Maybe I'm Herod. And I think we all are it sometimes. I think we all obstruct our own vision. We are all the pole in the way of our own selves. And we're all trying at times to duck around that pole and look at Jesus, but that pole is still there. That pole of who we are. In the Old Testament reading, it's interesting. The the whole kind of focus of the Old Testament reading is that Isaiah is saying, 
don't be afraid. Fear not. And God is reassuring his people Israel, don't be afraid. But why does he have to say that? Because they're afraid. And how often does our fear get in the way of us seeing God? How often are we afraid that God is going to judge us so harshly that he's going to send us to hell? How often are we afraid that maybe he's not going to send us to hell, but he's sure going to give us the stink eye? How often does that fear come up inside of us and we have to duck around it in order to see Jesus? Or in that psalm, that psalm that goes, ascribe to God all of this glory, all of this stuff that, that he's saying, give God all of the glory that he deserves. And how often are we like, well, what about me? What about my glory? What about the stuff that I need to be glorified for? And we start to duck around the pole of our own sense of worth. And then in, in that reading from Romans, Paul is so clear. How often are we trying to duck around our own sins? Those sins that should be dead in us, right? But those sins that we're still waiting on God's complete restoration of us in the resurrection. How often are we ducking around our own sins and trying to see Jesus, but our view is obstructed? But today is baptism of our Lord. Today is the day that we recognize that Jesus was baptized on our behalf. That as he was baptized on our behalf, that that does something for us. That that opens the way for us to be baptized into his life. That that gives us a clarity that that gives us a clarity of purpose, that gives us a clarity of ideation, that gives us a clarity of all sorts of different stuff. That when we get into that baptismal water, when we get into it once when we begin our baptized lives, and when we get into it every morning as we remember that we are baptized children of God, things start to clear up which is what we're going to be talking about throughout this Epiphany season. This Epiphany season, we're doing a a series, and the series is called Missio Dei. It's Latin for the mission of God. And the mission is always God's. It's the Missio Dei. It's not the Missio Ue. It's not the Missio Mii. But in that mission, you have a calling. In that mission, you are called to be a student. In that mission, you are called to be a worker. In that mission, you are called to be a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter or a father or a mother, whatever you are. And you have this little tiny bit of your calling that is aligned with God's mission. And the clearer that you can see God's mission, the clearer you will be able to see your vocation. The clearer you will be able to see, how does my job make a difference in this world? How does me studying 24-7-ish? (laughs) 
how does that serve the kingdom of God? Well, if you understand God's mission first before you try to understand your calling, well, then you're going to understand that better. That's why if you look at the front of your bulletin, there is this graphic design thing that I don't often brag on these, but I think this one is good. There's just two little brackets, two little arrows. And you're going to see that throughout this series. That's you and God. Now, it probably, one of those should be bigger. God should be. And it should probably be pushing you. But you get the idea. You can have clarity. And for some of you, you're like, fine, I've got clarity. Most of us are in a place in our lives where we're like, I have no clarity whatsoever. I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to make this decision. I don't know how to do all of this. I don't know what on earth I'm supposed to do as a husband or a father or a wife or a mother or a student or a worker or a boss or whatever you are. But the good news is this, you have clarity. And here's your clarity. You are a baptized child of God. Walk into your job. Say, this is my job. I'm baptized. And I'm a student. And I'm a son. And I'm a daughter. And I'm whatever. But first and foremost, your calling is to be a person who is called by the gospel. And that's going to give you clarity. Because that's going to assure you of what God said about his son when he was baptized, as you enter into his baptism, that no matter what you do, when you go out to your job this week, that God is saying the same thing about you. This is my beloved. And sure, it's up to us to act like that, and sure, we're going to fail, but God is always going to be there to say, this is my beloved. And just as surely as he said that about Jesus, He is saying it about you. The one whom Jesus died on a cross and rose from a tomb in order to include into his baptism. So may you this week go out into your vocation, into your job, into your role, into whatever it is that you do. And may you remember soundly, I am a baptized child of God. I am beloved. And let's see where it goes from there. Amen.